we are recording. My name is Megan Cox. I am the uh, Program Evaluation and Research Manager for the Department of Finance and Budget. Um, it is my pleasure to introduce this series for grants management best practices, as well as coordinating opportunities and uh, federal and state funding for our nonprofits. The purpose of this program is to support um, you as nonprofits to to be able to think about opportunities for federal and state funding in a different way um, that is supportive of the county and also in partnership with the county, but using federal and state dollars to accomplish much of your mission. We want to be able to empower you to think through how you can address the needs in your community with your clients um, while working with the county. So, you know, this is this is the first of many in the series. And we do want to just make sure that you have all of the tools that are also in the toolbox for for us at the county. And um, we are able to help support you and your organization in accomplishing its mission in Loudoun County. So, Tracy, do you have the next slide available? Excellent. So just a quick note on the agenda. Um, I just provided a bit of the welcome and overview. We will have a county funding opportunities panel. So we do have a number of our county partners here through the differing departments to show uh, some specific to to show us to show us some specific organizational um, opportunities through the Department of Family Services, Housing and Community Development, and um, other programs. So we will be talking about opportunities to be funded through the county as well as some question and answer. Then we'll go to the federal level to discuss um, the American Rescue Plan Act eligibility and compliance, as well as some of the uniform guidance that we know will happen through um, our tranche two. We will again take some questions and answers and then um, close with some next steps in the series. Again, this is a series and it is cumulative. We are building on each opportunity to make sure that you have the the total amount of knowledge that we have for um, for these opportunities. And so next slide. With that, um, as I mentioned, you know, we do have the opportunities panel. We will start with the human service nonprofit opportunities with Barb Lawrence, our grants coordinator. We'll then go over to, to the community block development block grants uh, with Eileen Barnhard um, for DHCD. We will then talk about our restricted um, TOT, which is transient occupancy tax, or the tourism grants with Daryl Simpson. And we will close out our opportunities at the county level with the continuum of care grants with Corinne Weiss. Uh, with that, I am going to turn this over to um, talk a little bit about the schedule of opportunities. As you can see, there is a link in the um, slide that 
provides an overview of all of our funding opportunities to um, to the schedule. So as you can see here, we do have a number of opportunities that provide a schedule throughout the year that nonprofits can take advantage of um, and, and helps to not only provide some specific insight into the the organizational opportunities, but also into the compliance and requirements of those opportunities. And next slide, please. So I'm going to turn this over to Barb Lawrence, who has been our grants coordinator for the Department of Finance and Budget. She's going to discuss um, the human service nonprofit grant opportunity. We are expecting um, a fiscal year 2024 um, schedule that will begin um, in November. And I'm going to turn it over to Barb to discuss more about what these opportunities entail. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you, Megan, for the introduction. Um, our human service nonprofit application process um, generally um, begins the Application is released um, early November with an application due date um, in December. And then it's um, April, we do a review process in January, February, March, um, and then recommendations are presented to our Board of Supervisors um, at one of their business meetings in April. Um, and then awards are announced, um, and then the application process uh, begins June 1st of, of that fiscal year. So that's kind of our, our timeline for the human service nonprofit um, application process. So the next slide. Um, today we'll just uh, cover the purpose of the application, uh, the award history, areas of need, eligibility, some additional criteria that nonprofits should consider when applying, um, funding options, and then the period of performance. So the purpose of the Human Service Nonprofit um, Program is to strengthen the county's coordination with nonprofit partners and to ensure opportunities for local funds, to ensure that local funds are leveraged in the most effective manner for services that assist vulnerable and disadvantaged individuals and families in meeting a critical need for safety, health, security, and independence. Um, if we can go to the next slide, we'll talk about the award history a little bit. Here you can, can we, see. Hi, hi, Barb. Sorry, we are having some questions. There are a couple of folks who cannot see the slides. Um, it looks like there is some mixed. Um, let's see. Tracy is going to email those, but just FYI, if you cannot see the slides, uh, Tracy will be sending those shortly. Sorry, Barb. Not a problem. So the award history um, in the last five years, you can see that the number of applications and the number of grants grants awarded has grown significantly. Um, it has doubled since 2019 from 31 to 68 applications. Um, the awards has also increased, um, and then also with our mini grants in the in the gray are mini grant applications. So it certainly has become a more competitive process throughout the year. Um, with that, we've also 
the the funding pot has also grown. In 2019, we had just a little over of one million dollars um, that we distributed to our nonprofit uh, partners, and in 2023, we had 1.8 million dollars that we awarded, and um, our projected uh, uh, funding pool for FY24 um, is uh, projected at uh, 2.3 million dollars. So if we can go back to slide uh, six. Um, in organizations interested in applying to receive funds from Loudoun County must provide a program or service impacting one or more of the areas of need established by the Board of Supervisors. The four areas of need are prevention and self-sufficiency. And these are services focused on assisting individuals and families in becoming and or remaining independent and stable and providing tools, skills, strategies, and resources to individuals and families. The second is crisis intervention and diversion. These services provided to individuals and families in crisis to overcome immediate problems and reduce or prevent the need for more restrictive and expensive higher level services. We have long-term support and these services are focused on assisting individuals who have continuing long-term support needs to remain healthy, safe and independent in the community, improve quality of human services. And these are services and opportunities provided to individuals, organizations and communities that enhance the quality, accessibility, accountability and coordination of services provided by community organizations. To be eligible to apply for human service nonprofit um, opportunity application or applicants must meet the following baseline criteria to be eligible. Um, be a nonprofit certified as a 501c3. Have a mission that is consistent with serving the county's areas of need. Be in good standing with the Virginia State Corporation Commission at time of submission. Not an organization um, is not a locally tax funded contractor for any county health and human service departments, including core service agreements. And then um, according to Virginia law, um, it, Virginia law prohibits appropriating public funds to organizations controlled in whole or in part by churches to include other houses of worship, such as temples, mosques, synagogues, or sectarian societies. So therefore, county grants cannot be used for any religious purpose or activity. Additional considerations uh, to be considered for funding. Um, we are looking for organizations to present a documented uh, data driven need for the organization's program or service. Show demonstrated outcomes for the program or service. Show that the program or services provide a direct benefit to Loudoun residents. Demonstrate that the program or service enhances the quality of life for Loudoun County residents. Show documented efforts by the organizations to secure funding from other sources. Demonstrate that the organization has the administrative resources to administer funds and to implement and oversee the program or service. Agree to sign a memorandum of understanding with the county and show that funding requested is realistic given the service level and that the organization does not rely predominantly on county grant funds. 
So this opportunity has two funding options uh, for organizations wishing to apply. Uh, the standard nonprofit application process is for organizations wishing to apply for awards of $5,000 and one, um, up to $113,000. And then we have a mini grant uh, process, which is a simplified application for any organization applying for a small grant of $5,000 or less. For a standard application, organizations will be awarded proportional funding, while those organizations applying for a mini grant will be awarded the full amount requested. And lastly, the period of performance for FY24 uh, will start July 1st, 2023, and go through June 30th of 2024. We can go to slide eight. So again, the release date will be in early November. The application due date uh, will be late December. Um, and once we have the application is released, you will be able to find it um, on our grant opportunities page at loudon.gov. So with that, I will introduce Eileen Bernhardt, Barnhart, who is uh, serves as the CDD CDBG uh, program manager in the newly created Department of Housing and Community Development. She joined Loudoun County in August of 2020, bringing almost two decades of CDBG experience with her. So with that, I'll turn it over to Eileen. Thank you, Barb. Uh, we really appreciate this opportunity to reach out to the community to also share with um, our community that CBDG uh, will be opening up their application round next week. We receive approximately um, about between 1.2-1.4 million dollars annually and um, our program year runs from July the 1st through June the 30th and uh, we can go through this uh, more specifically um, if you'd like to move to the next slide. Little history, Loudoun County began receiving CBDG funds in 2004 and we have different allocation awards. Uh, we are limited to a 15% cap on our public services, which is an eligible activity uh, which helps provide things such as um, staffing for our nonprofits who apply for an eligible activity. Okay. And um, we have a planning and administration cap, which is 20% uh, of the award, which is applied towards um, given to the county for the administration of the program. The remainder of the um, award goes to what we call capital or bricks and mortar, which is primarily where um, a, the bigger source of funds are available for CBDG and um, anything that's not applied for and uh, under the capital it's for public facilities it's for acquisition uh, of real real property uh, things of that nature and then sometimes Loudoun County has projects that we additionally uh, assist with next slide in order to be eligible you have to meet a national objective there's three cornerstones of eligibility which must be met for all applications your application must meet at least one national objective one um, which is most commonly used is the low and um, 
moderate income persons. There's the aid and prevention or elimination of slumber blight. And there's um, meeting an urgent community need. An urgent community need is where um, there's been a declaration of a state of emergency such as we had with uh, the pandemic. So applications, um, all activities and projects must meet um, a national objective and be an eligible activity. Next slide. When we talk about eligible activities, um, as I mentioned previously, it's things of acquisition of real property, relocation, uh, rehabilitation, um, and construction of um, public facilities and public services, again, subject to the 15% cap. Next slide. Lastly, all, applicant, all activities and projects to be funded must meet at least one of the consolidated plan goals, and those are stated. We have housing, homelessness, community development, special needs, and economic development. And so your um, activity or project has to meet a national objective, be an eligible activity, and um, have a defined uh, goal that it's attached to in order to be considered. Next slide. Here are the categories for low to moderate income, because when you state that that's your national eligibility category, then we drill down a little bit further. And as you can see from the slide, there's there's several different choices. Next slide. So who's who, who's eligible to apply? We have seven local uh, incorporated towns. They're eligible. We have 503-1C nonprofits who've been in existence for at least two years and are in good standing with the state of Virginia as well. Um, have a, a, a physical presence or be conducting activities in Loudoun County. And if their housing development must meet the CHOTO definition. Next slide. If you're awarded funds, there is an environmental review record that must be conducted. All federal projects are um, must undergo this process. And if you're awarded funds, you would need to be in, um, reviewed and in compliance before the project starts. Next slide. So in short, um, our release date for our applications, and there's two. There's one for public services and there's one for capital projects. Um, they will be available online on October the 11th, starts next week. Uh, we are holding a community needs hearing, and that is uh, the following day on October the 12th at 4 p.m. Um, you can either attend in person at our office at 106 Catoctin Circle, Southeast Leesburg, or you can register to attend online. We would love to hear what you have to say on um, what they feel the community needs are and um, the recommendations on funding for CBDG. The applications are due. We have um, the original application, there's a, a copy, three hole punched, and the electronic version are due to our office by November 16th by 4 p.m. Of course, if you're, you are welcome to submit early. Um, all this information is available at uh, our website, loudon.gov CBDG. Unfortunately, we cannot accept any late applications. Any questions? Uh, yes, Eileen, we actually have two questions in the chat. Um, okay. They both they both act, re respond to the same kind of question. What does special needs encompass? Um, can you drill down a little bit on what the definition is? 
Um, that would be best if I just replied to, so I make sure that I don't miss anything. Um, we can supply that information and we will post it. So I want to make sure that it, it's encompassing. And if there's a follow-up um, email on that, we will do our best to reply to that. Once we open up the application process, with, if we receive questions, we review them, we prepare a response, we send it to our leadership review, and then we post it on CBDG um, webpage. Wonderful. That sounds great. Are there any other questions um, for Eileen? We have about one minute before we transition. Any others? All right, we can keep going. Thank you. Thank Excellent. you. Thank you, Eileen. Um, now we'll move to our restricted transit occupancy tax. Um, we'll have Daryl Simpson uh, do our pr presentation. Um, Daryl started with Loudoun in August of 2021 as the grants analyst. He has worked in public service at the state and local level since 2008 and has facilitated a grant-funded offender re-entry program through a nonprofit for two years. So with that, um, Daryl. Thanks, Barb. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, so glad everyone could join us today. Um, I'll be speaking for a few minutes on the RTOT program. Um, first, we can see the timeline for this year's program um, when our applications opened in May. Uh, they were open for approximately a month. Uh, then we submitted our recommendations to the Board of Supervisors in July and announced those awards. And the funding was distributed um, last month in September to our uh, six recipients for this grant cycle. The um, transient occupancy tax is codified by the state of Virginia um, in Section 58.1-3819. Um, the Board of Supervisors uh, utilized its RTOT funding policy to further define how these funds uh, can be used in Loudoun County. Uh, our program with Loudoun County started um, in fiscal year 2018. Uh, since then, we have distributed uh, over $250,000 in RTOT funds, um, which is remarkable considering uh, the program was suspended for COVID uh, from fiscal year 2020 through this year. This was the first year back uh, for the program. Um, the eligibility criteria for this grant um, is for nonprofits, any of our townships here in Loudoun County, uh, as well as businesses in Loudoun County. Um, RTOT grant funds can be designated and spent on the following tourism activities. Uh, these includes uh, include marketing of events and programs to attract visitors to the county, initiatives that attract uh, any visitors to Loudoun, uh, anything that drives demand, increases occupancy in local hotels and lodges, lodging establishments, um, and initiatives that drive spending and generate revenue uh, in the locality through tourism. Um, as I mentioned, in this funding cycle, we had eight applications. Um, after review through um, staff from the Department of Finance and Budget, um, Economic Development, and our partners with Visit Loudoun, uh, we were able to recommend six applications for funding, um, which totaled just under $100,000 for this year. 
Um, <clears throat> events that were sponsored include um, Middleburg's Film Festival, um, a Mil Amelia event for the town of Middleburg, which is a traveling um, car event. Um, we had Lovettsville's Oktoberfest um, and all, a couple of new events um, that we were happy to fund. Um, I would encourage everyone to keep their eyes open for more funding opportunities as we move forward. Um, this is uh, an opportunity that um, provides a lot of value to Loudoun County, um, and we'll be sure to share that information with everyone as it becomes available. And we do have about two minutes for questions. Are there any questions that we can address for you? Please enter them in the chat. So one question we do have is, um, was Percival Food and Wine Festival a recipient of RTOT funding? We did not receive an application uh, for the Percival Food and Wine Festival. Um, I'd love to see that in the future. I, I am not familiar with that event, but it sounds like something that's right up my alley. Um, so I'd love to investigate it further. And it likely would be eligible for funding. Um, we, we are looking at activities that, um, that increase tourism to the area and thus increase tourism taxes. So that helps to offset some of the additional, um, revenue that would be required to run um, some of the, the funds. Any other questions? Yes, I would be happy to provide my contact information uh, as well as the basic information uh, for applying for future opportunities from the RTOT. Excellent. Thank you, Daryl. That's all we have for now. As as we continue, please make sure that you list your um, questions in the chat and we will get to them as we move through the participants. Great. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Daryl, for your overview of RTOT. Next, we have our continuum of care uh, funding that's available and to present will be Corinne Weiss, uh, who started with Department of Family Services at the inception of the Information and Referral Program in 2019 as the INR Coordinator Entry Specialist, and recently she took on the position as a Continuum of Care Coordinator. So with that, we'll have Corinne. Thank you, everyone. I'm just such a pleasure to be here and share about the Continuum of Care. So just to let you know, Continuum of Care does um, uh, oversee the homeless services in Loudoun County. Uh, we don't do it on our own, though. It is a community effort. Um, it is a partnership with our community providers that work with the homeless and those who are potentially be, uh, becoming homeless. Um, so some of our partners in the community do um, are like youth services providers, our domestic violence services, um, health care, behavioral health care. Uh, the Department of Housing is one of our, um, our partners. Uh, all of us together work to uh, prevent homelessness in Loudoun County, and it is a preventable um, occurrence. Um, with that being said, it doesn't run itself without funding, right? So we do have funding sources through um, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. That's our federal source. And also through the state, um, through the Department of Housing and Community Development, Virginia. Um, so as you can see from the timeline here, 
um, the application process, we're right in the middle of it. So um, uh, the September, October timeframe here, I'm writing grants. As soon as I get off of this thing, I'm going to be writing more narrative to um, submit our application um, at the end of October. And then I get a short breather and then we start again in the in the spring with the state um, the state funding. So next slide, please. So in regards to the HUD federal um, opportunities, um, it is a collaborative application. And what that means is our community providers that are hands-on with the um, those who are experiencing homelessness or potentially experiencing homelessness, um, they submit an application to the, to the COC, which is under the Department of Family Services, but to the COC, um, and, and it, the application will show um, what type of services they plan on providing, what the expenses are, and then we rate and review those applications. So we get a number of applications from the county um, each cycle, and then we're required to rate and review those applications to make sure that they align with the services that we need in the county. And um, then we put forth uh, the, the full collaborative application to HUD, um, and that consists of evidence of the projects that will be running the actual programs as well as the overarching um, uh, process and um, how we're solving the homelessness in Loudoun County as, as a whole. So it all has to align. Some of the eligible projects that um, people or organizations can apply for would be permanent housing, um, so permanent supportive housing. And permanent supportive housing is focused on the chronically homeless that also have um, a disability or, or severe mental illness. So they end up being those that you may see on the streets that just issue or, or, or keeping a job is an issue. And the permanent supportive housing um, program allows them to be stably housed and then once housing is 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 taken care of, then they can move forward with supportive services, you know, to get them back employed, to get them the health care or the mental health care that they need. And uh, just the goal is to get them stabilized. And then another form of permanent housing is rapid rehousing. And rapid rehousing is exactly what it says. We want to rapidly rehouse those who are literally homeless. And um, so we are able to help them get into housing. And then again, case management, supportive services works with them to stabilize the other issues um, that are affected by homelessness, childcare, employment, um, healthcare, behavioral health, all of those things. Uh, the joint transitional housing is um, just a combination of a, of a transitional period and then moving on to being rapidly rehoused. The supportive services um, are those wraparound services that um, help people once they are housed to to heal and to 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 get reestablished um, in the community with their employment, with healthcare, and and those things. The HMIS stands for the um, Homeless Management Information System. So we have a software database system where we collect information about um, all the people who are accessing our homeless services. And the reason we do that is so that we can keep track and make sure that our numbers are going down and not increasing. And if they do happen to increase, what can what efforts can we um, have to uh, to address that? 
the HMIS database is is very important to 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 keep track of of the homeless services in Loudoun County to make sure that people are getting rapidly rehoused. Are they returning to homelessness after that rapid rehousing, and how can we address those things? And so funding will help us, um, you know, work our uh, fund the expenses wrapped around the homeless management information system. And then lastly is the COC planning. That's just all the administrative stuff that goes into um, the uh, continuum of care um, organization and only the collaborative applicant. So only the continuum of care can apply for that funding. All of the HUD funding does require a match and it's 25%. Um, and you do have to specify how, you know, where those funds are coming from at your application. Next slide, please. Uh, the second source of funding we have is the state um, Department of Housing and Community Development funding. Uh, so the state funding is can be um, some flow through funding that comes from the federal government, but it always funnels right through the state. It too is a community or collaborative based application. So our community providers that are interested in serving the um, homeless population in Loudoun County would submit to the COC. And then the COC as a whole would rank and review those applications and decide if they were going to, if they fall in line with um, our goals of ending homelessness. And then we submit the full application to the state. Um, some of the same uh, projects are gonna be at the state level as well. So we have outreach, which we haven't mentioned yet. Outreach is very important that we connect with those who are unsheltered. Um, sometimes uh, individuals who are unsheltered are least likely to seek out services, so we, we go to them. We do have um, a behavioral health team that has a couple of outreach workers that will go straight out to the unsheltered individuals and connect them to services. Coordinated entry is simply the, the front door for all homeless services in Loudoun County. Um, it is a phone number that you can call at any time to uh, get connected to the, the appropriate homeless services provider for whatever need you have. Uh, targeted prevention is, is something we haven't talked about yet, but um, it's before the homelessness. So when people are in danger of of becoming homeless um, right before the eviction level, we can step in and prevent that. And that's so we have funding for that. We have funding for the emergency shelter operations through the state level, rapid rehousing, which we talked about, the COC planning, basically administrative, our, our HMIS database, and more administrative costs. Again, another 25% match is required for state funding as well. And next slide, please. So in order to apply for both the uh, federal, the HUD funding, and the state funding, you must be a member of the COC. Uh, membership is not as scary as it sounds. Um, we just want to make sure that we partner with um, all of these amazing um, community providers like our, our domestic violence and sexual assault services, our youth services providers, our mental health, our Department of Housing, all of those together um, help to solve the homelessness in Loudoun County. So if you aren't already a member of, of the COC and you're interested in applying, um, I've listed the website here, loudon.gov COC. It does have an application form on there that you can submit to me and, and as well as my address, which I can also leave in the chat. Um, the 25% match is important. 
and uh, participating in the coordinated entry. So remember I mentioned coordinated entry is the front door um, for all people seeking homeless services. In order for you to, um, as an organization, to participate in the funding, we do ask that you get referrals from our coordinated entry. So if we have a homeless services, per, um, an individual seeking homeless services um, come through the coordinated entry, we want to be able to forward that on to you, you per, your program. So participation in that coordinated entry system. And then recently, both the federal and the um, state uh, funding has put an emphasis on making sure that we, the COC as a whole, is racially equitable to all, all races um, and all subgroups, including the LGBTQ, and also an emphasis on persons with lived experience participating in our COC and in our, you know, in our funding. And then also the collaboration with healthcare. So we want to make sure. So homelessness can't be solved by just giving people a house or a, a place shelter. It has to have those wraparound services. And, and that's really the key to preventing future homelessness for individuals. Um, and I think that is probably it. Does anybody have any questions? Corinne, we do have a question in the chat. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, can supportive services include assistance for preparation for employment or re-entering the workplace? Yes, yes, we can, absolutely. Okay, are there any other questions? Please list them in the chat. Here we go, there's one other question. Can the 25% match include county funding? Can the person, can Susan, can you clarify what you mean by the the county funding. So are you, maybe you're saying like you're getting county funding and you want to use that um, to match the HUD funding. Is that is that what I'm understanding? Right. Uh, so I'm saying we get county funding, but the, the COC seems to be coming from the state. So would we be able to then say we can use our county funding as the match? Yes, I believe so, but I will check on that and I will let you know if it's if if I'm incorrect in that. But yes, I believe so. Thank you. We also have a question from Val. Uh, can supportive services include rental assistance without a piece of legal representation in court? So the supportive services is not going to include rental assistance. It's going to include everything but the rental assistance so it, it's kind of it's kind of outside the actual funding for for rent or to prevent the homelessness and getting people into stable housing great. great thanks corinne and it looks like eileen also answered some of this question for cdbg when it comes to the economic development strategies so please uh, make sure that you note those in the chat um, these will also be transcribed and we are recording. So we do have um, a fair amount of material to provide you once the training is over. Any other questions? Okay, I think we are good to go. So we do have some contact information here for um, each of our grant administrators, uh, please, you know, take note of these. We also will include those in the PowerPoint slides that Tracy already provided through um, your email. So if you haven't received that yet, please let us know.
Have a great weekend. I just wanted to take um, some time to highlight that all of these um, programs have different funding sources and different um, compliance rules and even different ways that they define um, uh, LMI. Um, so I, I don't know if, Megan, you wanted to touch on that before we um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, so there there are going to be some differences in the way that we look at um, low moderate income across these uh, these funding opportunities. As you heard, we do have local, state, and federal um, grants here that come through the county, and so um, low moderate income is going to look different for the human service nonprofit grants than it will for CDBG or COC. So um, we do have tools that are available. And I think um, with Corinne and Eileen, even with the HUD programs, these LMI requirements may look slightly different. So we do encourage you to make sure that when you are thinking about the populations that you serve, that we do, um, you do have some information on exactly what those definitions are. We're happy to provide those, uh, but often LMI is either associated with the area's median income, which could equate to the Washington metropolitan area, which is what the COC uses, and Corinne, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's the Washington metropolitan area. I believe it's the same for the um, CDBG program, Eileen, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, there are also definitions for low moderate income that include the federal poverty level um, at the state and federal level. And then for uh, state department of housing and community development, it may be the state's median income. So we will provide um, some brief information on what those may look like uh, depending on the funding agency and we can provide those as part of the follow-up um, in just a table that that provides the definition and link are there any other questions so it looks like tina you have a question here um, it looks like uh, Tina is suggesting, and, and please unmute yourself, Tina, if you would like to share a little bit more. Um, she would like to set up a LinkedIn or Facebook page for nonprofit leaders to network, um, share best practices. Can someone tell her if this already exists or if she might be able to invite applicable persons? I think yeah. that's a great idea. I, I'm hoping that this probably already exists. I, uh, I'm a Loudoun County native, but I really work more in Charlottesville, Albemarle County, Fluvanna, and Greene County with um, my existing client base, but I'm trying to do a lot more up in Loudoun County just because my home is physically in Percival, and it just makes sense to do more here. Yeah, thanks, Tina. And, and so Nicole mentioned that the Loudoun Human Service Network um, is a membership organization, and they do have a, a considerable network of other organizations. Um, they do have um, a closed Facebook group for members. And Nicole, do you want to unmute and mention anything more about that? Sure. Hey, Tina. So um, 
we have a program manager for the Loud Human Services Network named Sapna Hensinski. If you drop your email in the chat, we can make sure Sapna gets that and she can send you more information about joining the network, what it does, its meeting schedule, and how to get more involved. All right, are there any other questions? All right, so Eileen does want to make sure that everyone is aware that um, CDBG will be offering an application seminar on the 19th. So if you are interested in, um, you know, working through the Community Development Block Grant, it is October 19th from 10 to 1130. And she does have her email in the chat. As you can see, her email is also displayed on the screen. Um, these pre-application webinars are extremely helpful um, given that some of the funding especially at the federal level is complex uh, we really um, encourage you if you are interested in applying for some of these federal funds to to make sure that you reach out to the staff that are listed in the contact information because there are some tips and tricks that they can tricks is not necessarily the best word, but tips and um, strategies that they can help you think through when it comes to securing federal funding and securing state funding, because the the requirements may be similar, but there are some distinct differences um, and some minute details. So so please take advantage of that on the 19th. Um, and Eileen, will you be hosting that? Hello. We actually are working with our, uh, we have a CBDG consultant who will be presenting the information. So Great. So it's I coming straight be, from, from HUD. Well, they do not work for HUD. They are <laughs> consultants and they, they will okay, go perfect. through the okay. process and making sure that people understand some of the questions that have come up, you know, just maybe addressing that in a, in a different format just as you know, meeting your national objective, eligible activity, project description, your budget, your budget narrative, um, understanding the acceptance of CBDG funds, um, and just really how to put forth a real strong application for consideration for funding. That's great, that's great. So it really does walk you through the process. Correct, we're very okay. excited. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, before we move on, are there any other questions? Right, seeing none in the chat, we will turn it over to Christine Powers. Barb, I'm going to let you introduce. Thank you, Megan. Um, I would like to introduce Christine Powers uh, to talk to you about our ARPA funding. Uh, Christine came to Loudoun County to monitor the application and compliance of state and local fiscal recovery funds, which is ARPA. She comes with a background in IT, finance, and government operations, and physical geography. So with that, um, I'll turn it to Christine. Thank you, everyone. Um, welcome. Um, happy to see everyone's faces today. Um, I'm going to go over a little bit about the American Rescue Plan Act as it applies to the state and local fiscal recovery funds. Um, recently, I did release the application for nonprofit grant funding, um, that program which is funded through the state and local uh, recovery funds. 
The application opened at the end of September and we're currently accepting applications. I do have information on our grant opportunities webpage, um, some of our training materials that were presented last week in the application training. And I will be providing uh, kind of a uh, FAQ document as I've been collecting some questions throughout these last weeks. So I'm going to be putting that out on the web page as well. Uh, application due date is October the 14th. So if you do have any questions in the meantime, you will know where to find us at uh, our nonprofit's um, email address. And I will just quickly go over this grant opportunity um, briefly here, uh, obviously, there's much more information that um, is provided on the Grant Opportunities webpage and through the other application materials. Next slide. A uh, bit of an overview, the state and local fiscal recovery funds uh, is provided to states, territories, uh, local governments and tribal governments uh, in direct response to the public health and economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the uh, program is administered by the U.S. Department of Treasury. Um, that is one difference, like we just mentioned, there's a lot of different layers of authority when it comes to a lot of these grants, whether it's local, state, or federal government. And even at the federal level, you have many agencies that are involved. This particular program is administered by Treasury. And the final rule that was written by the department implements the program and its eligible uses within four broad categories. Uh, now, these are the categories that the jurisdiction is allowed to spend within. So the being the public health and negative economic impacts, um, premium pay for essential workers, those who had to stay at the clinics, had to stay at the hospital, um, had to be in those kind of front lines during the pandemic, um, covering any, any revenue loss and investing in water, sewer and broadband infrastructure. Um, the Loudoun County has a webpage, the ARPA webpage too, that has been um, kind of presenting how we've been spending these dollars um, in the past and how we are planning to use the second half of our, our funding. Um, next slide. Um, the intended outcomes here, um, Treasury's focus is in mitigating the impact of the pandemic. Um, they want us to find ways in which the, the impacts were felt differently amongst the population in our community and in seeking ways for everyone to come out of the pandemic more resilient. Um, there was a lot of mention in their research about the 2008 recession after the housing kind of and there were a lot of jurisdictions that were still struggling from that recession, even as a pandemic hit. So they did not want to see a repeat uh, of that kind of a situation and wanted to make sure everyone had those resources to get out of this, um, this hardship uh, a little bit more resilient. So much of their focus was to fight the pandemic and support families and businesses that were struggling um, and then make sure that public services offered through the jurisdiction were able to maintain their service levels as much as possible, um, even in the in the face of declining revenues, and to build the re strong, resilient, and equitable recovery and making those investments in things like water, infrastructure, broadband, things like that. Um, you know, we saw all the kids at home in front of the computers to try to learn, but that doesn't make a difference if you're still 
getting connection speeds or maybe no connection at all. So they wanted to see those investments in broadband uh, as well as, as providing safe and drinking water. Um, through Loudoun County, our intended outcome for this particular program for the nonprofit grant program is focusing on emergency services towards impacted populations and especially the disproportionately impacted populations and then support those long-term sustainable outcomes. So we have seen that not only on a national level, but locally, we know that there has been an uneven recovery through the pandemic because of an uneven impact on our population. And we wanted to focus on those populations that had that kind of more severe impact from the population. Um, we can go to, oh, actually, let me talk about that a little bit more. Um, disproportionately impacted. Um, that's a definition that Treasury is using to define families, households, populations, or a class of beneficiaries that uh, saw severe impacts from the pandemic. What they noted with that definition of disproportionately impacted is oftentimes there is a pre-existing disparity, which is what brought about the more severe impact of the pandemic. That disparity could be anything from a, a low income, um, uh, a certain you know, class of beneficiary that has been marginalized, whether it's LGBTQ, race, gender, ability, age, uh, any of those factors that have just kind of been compounding uh, with the effects of the pandemic. So that's what they wanted us to focus on as well with those uh, these ARPA dollars, and that's what the county is intending to do. Uh, supporting the long-term sustainable uh, outcomes, that means that the county is looking to not only um, help in an emergency situation, but also to address those pre-existing disparities. And we wanted to find any gaps in any of the healthcare, any um, access to services that may have brought about those impacts to those populations, um, recognizing if someone hadn't been aware of certain services even prior to the pandemic, and maybe they would have been a little bit more resilient during the pandemic if they had been getting the help prior to that. So we wanted to address any of those gaps that have been identified through this entire um, process and situation. Next slide. Um, Compliance for the use of ARPA dollars, uh, again, because this is administered by the Department of Treasury, Treasury has provided us with um, compliance guidance. The funds itself is um, adding to the Social Security Act, sections 602 and 603. And so amongst that uh, law that's on the books, uh, Treasury created a final rule of regulation and compliance and reporting guidelines. Um, those compliance and reporting guidelines also talk quite a bit about the uniform guidance. Um, so those are the big three, big four actually, that we are using to guide our decisions in use of these dollars. Uh, even within that compliance and reporting guidance, we often have reference to other White House memoranda, other um, labor laws, other things like that. There's just a quite a few different um, uh, regulatory bodies that we need to make sure that we are keeping in mind with a lot of these projects. Because of the use of American Rescue Plan Act dollars and the state and local fiscal recovery funds are quite broad and the eligibility is very flexible, it does mean, however, that there is a lot of reporting that comes with it. 
in basically describing how we've used these funds, um, how it meets the, uh, the need of the community, and how these programs are um, going to bring us out of the pandemic as a more resilient and prosperous uh, county. Um, the, any entity that receives a transfer of funds from Loudoun County to carry out an eligible use of these dollars is considered a subrecipient and subject to all of the compliance and reporting put forth by the Department of Treasury. Um, there is more information about that on the grant opportunities page as well. <laughs> so, um, okay, sorry, next. Um, getting into the uniform guidance, I don't know if um, how many of you are familiar with the uniform guidance, um, just giving kind of a high level introduction because any acceptance of federal dollars, even it has, if it comes through the county, um, it does mean that we are subject to the rules put forth by the uniform guidance. It's come from the U.S. Office of Management and Budget. It is incorporated into all federal award regulation and uh, federal assistance is provided in many different ways to many different types of organizations. And so the applicability of the uniform guidance will depend on the type. So it is good to know how you're getting these funds from the county or the state or the federal agency and how it is being administered. That will play into the types of compliance that is um, that will be expected of you. Next slide. Uh, one big difference is the terms sub-award and sub-recipient. Um, that's where you know you will fall into the compliance requirements of the uniform guidance and the other award conditions, of course. Um, a sub-award is provided by a pass-through entity. For the sake of the ARPA nonprofit grant program, Loudoun County is the pass-through entity and the nonprofit who's given the award is considered the subrecipient. As a subrecipient, the county is asking you to carry out a part of the federal award. And as a subrecipient, you're receiving the award to carry out part of that program. Um, the pass-through entity is responsible to flow down the same terms and conditions to the subrecipient via the subaward agreement. So, our obligation for uh, reporting and compliance is also then your obligation in comp uh, compliance and reporting as well. So that's usually spelled out in the subaward agreement. Next slide. Uh, cost principles, that is a big one within the uniform guidance. It talks about how you are spending your dollars. Um, there's a couple ways that uh, agencies can um, pay out dollars uh, either in a kind of a lump sum transfer for you to spend. Uh, oftentimes it's in a reimbursement kind of situation. So either way, you will have to differentiate between direct costs, indirect costs, uh, things like that. Um, costs in general um, have to be defined and follow a particular criteria to be allowable under federal funds. Um, you'll see that they will have to be necessary and reasonable for the performance of the federal award. They will have to conform to any limitations or exclusions, either described directly in the uniform guidance or explicitly in the award notification and terms and agreements, um, and be consistent with policies and procedures that apply uniformly to federally financed and other, other activities. So 
you will oftentimes have funding from many different sources and it will have to be very clear um, whether or not there are differences in reporting requirements or compliance amongst those um, different agencies and um, basically know that you would have to make sure that you are complying with each agency and with each source, um, regardless if you've then kind of grading those funds for one particular program. Um, and then be uh, accorded consistent treatment, which means um, you, if a particular cost is allocated as a direct cost, that cost will always be considered a direct cost. Um, you would not be able to change that uh, allocation at any point during that project. Um, so direct costs are identified specifically within the final kind of cost objective and program objective and uh, directly assigned to activities relatively easy <laughs> to, uh, to make that distinction and with a pretty high degree of accuracy. Um, that would be anything from administrative um, or, or just operating costs for your program. Um, admin and staff costs uh, can be allocated as a direct cost if it's admin and clerical services that are integral to that project or activity or program, um, individuals involved directly with that project or activity, and other costs explicitly included in the budget with um, written approval. And then um, those costs would not be able to be covered as also as direct costs, so they have to stay distinct in those categories. Um, Reasonable indirect cost, that is kind of your facilities and administration, knowing that you're going to have, um, you know, a building to be in and things like that and, and facilities that are used for um, the program's direct operation. That might be if you have a um, food distribution, if you have a location for that, there are just some costs of having that uh, physical location to, to operate that program. Um, so things like that, if you have um, those reasonable indirect costs. Um, single audit threshold. Um, when we come into a place where you are receiving up uh, over $750,000 in federal funding in your um, annual re revenue, you're going to be subject to a single audit threshold. Um, now, because Loudoun County is already in that threshold, um, it makes us in uh, the county on these program dollars. Um, as a subrecipient of these program dollars, um, your uh, operation and your program would be subject to that audit as well as uh, a subrecipient. So you would need to make sure to provide and make available documentation as it uh, pertains to that program and make that available to our auditors. Um, you're also expected to maintain effective internal controls uh, over those federal dollars. Um, the uniform guidance allows a pass-through entity to monitor our subrecipients and basically make sure that there are proper internal controls when it comes to uh, maintaining documentation for a sing single audit and, um, and basically documenting the eligibility requirements of the people that are um, served through that program. And procurement, um, that usually relates to the spending of dollars on um, anything from a contractor that you might have for a particular uh, activity within your uh, program, or even just the um, equipment that is purchased. Often it doesn't relate to your day-to-day -day stuff, um, 
if it's smaller items, there's a dollar amount that is kind of the threshold between, um, you know, open bidding or things like that. So uh, depending on the program itself, um, that procurement would have to be within the guidelines of the uniform guidance. So that's a little bit more detail that we can maybe get into if that's something that your program um, requires. So I didn't want to get it too far into the weeds with that one month for today's purposes. So um, again, this is just a very high level introduction of the uniform guidance. Um, I would highly suggest that everyone get familiar with that document. It's um, it's going to be applicable in a lot of scenarios if you're going to be asking for direct funding from certain federal agencies. So at least have a very good idea that this is going to be kind of a background uh, regulatory document and it often referred to in some of their terms and conditions of the award. Any questions? I also wanted to highlight that um, Christine and I developed um, a ARPA and federal uniform guidance uh, FAQ sheet. This is, and just wanted to clarify that this is separate from what Christine mentioned at the beginning of her presentation. She's doing uh, one specific to uh, the Loudoun County nonprofit ARPA application um, and that we really want to, the, the whole purpose of the series is that we really would like for you to apply for more uh, federal funding. So um, the uniform guidance uh, that as Christine mentioned is like is important uh, across those uh, different federal dollars. So the uh, FAQ that we put in the chat um has uh, uh points specific to um our local state uh local fiscal federal recovery fund um some other opportunities that are funded through arpa and then some information on um what how nonprofits are successful in other federal funding so if you have some takeaways it's just that <laughs> like you can you can do this you can um uh read up on all of the things that we just shared and uh prepare yourself to apply for other federal funding outside of the county too so i'm gonna pass it to barb after that to see if there's any questions and everything in the chat thanks tracy um i will also reiterate the importance of of getting familiar with the uniform guidance. Um, it is kind of the guiding principle of federal dollars um, as you look to expand your, your funding uh, pools. So I don't see any questions in the chat. Does anybody have any questions at this point? Seeing none. Um, we will go to our closing and our next steps. And um, though we've heard her voice um, throughout throughout our training so far, I'd like to formally introduce Tracy Elperstein, um, who is our ARPA nonprofit support specialist. And she started with the county in April of 2022. And prior to this role, she worked with nonprofits focused in equitable access to arts and humanities education. Uh, so with that, I'll turn it over to Tracy to uh, wrap it up. 
Okay. Thanks, Barb, uh, so much. And thanks, everybody, um, uh, for presenting and for the attendees, too. I, I know that we know that nonprofits are really busy. Um, we want you to have access to um, all the other county funding opportunities um, and be able to build capacity uh, for federal funding. So this is um, really important. Um, the next training coming up is next Thursday. We'll, we'll do a prospecting training. So you'll hear Daryl Simpson's voice again. He's going to be doing a, a federal prospecting uh, 101. And then we'll also have um, design thinking to um, help you uh, ascertain your organization's uh, readiness to apply for federal grants. Um, so you can review that packet that Barb just shared in, in the chat. Um, and it's really important. She also put the session evaluation in uh, the chat uh, now. So please uh, fill that out so we could, um, while you're here and we have you um, captive, it looks like we'll, <laughs> we're ending a little bit early. So take that time to fill out the session evaluation um, so we can enhance our other trainings too. And then uh, Barb just shared the registration uh, link. I'll also be distributing um, the recording and uh, the handouts and the materials um, from this meeting um, uh, in your email, but uh, it's very important that you sign up for the Loudoun County nonprofit updates. And I'll uh, show you how to do that now. So I, I think the county um, is moving in the direction I, I you probably saw the ARPA grant announcement and the announcement from CDBG through this listserv. Um, we'll put all trainings through this, uh, the county updates listserv as well. And I think we'll be using it more globally through uh, public affairs and communications. So if you go to the link that Barb um, put in the chat, uh, you'll have to um, sign in. So you'll, um, I don't know if you can see that screen that well. Maybe I should share my screen, uh, but you'll put your email in. Um, then you would scroll down to um, nonprofit updates. And there's a little email um, uh, graphic there next to nonprofit updates. And you would click on that to subscribe. And then you'll get a link in your email uh, to confirm. Um, that you sign up. So, um, so I guess your homework is to look over that design thinking packet for next time and sign up for the updates. And hopefully you're, you've done your homework already and you're doing the session evaluation right now. <laughs> so that won't be homework anymore. Um, does anybody have any questions? Um, we can hang back for a little bit. We're about 15 minutes early. Does anybody have any additional questions? You can either put it in the chat or raise your hand. Um, I have a quick question. Um, for the training that is at the end of October, it's an in-person training. Is there going to be any opportunities for that to either be virtual at some point? Because just um, if you're not avail available to attend. Um, let me look into that right now. We had just um, in person because of the nature, because it's a technical assistance workshop and everyone will have a laptop and sign in and go through um, 
the process of setting up their online workspace with Barb. Um, I want to say maybe. Let, let me um, t uh, put my head together with Barb and uh, reach back out to you guys. Okay, thanks. Any other questions? Seeing none or hearing none. Um, thank you all for attending and we look forward to your attendance in our upcoming series. So please sign up. Um, and um, if you have any questions regarding any of the programs that we talked about today, feel free to reach out to reach out to us and uh, we will provide uh, information to you. So um, thank you. Thank you for all that you do in our community in serving our residents. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Bye, Thank everybody. You. Take care.